Get Real with Ralph. You are listening to Get Real with Ralph. Get Real with Ralph. On AM 1050, WLIP. Good evening and welcome to Get Real with Ralph. I'm your humble host, Ralph Nudy, coming to you live from the studios of AM 1050, WLIP, Gurney, Illinois, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and simulcast live from Kenosha to the Canary Islands and all across the world. Just go to our YouTube channel, GetRealWithRalph.com. That's GetRealWithRalph.com. Or tune on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Ralph Nudy. Open again, closed again, open again. But with everything still closed, what the hell is going on in Wisconsin? What's going on in Kenosha County as well as the rest of the country and the rest of the world? We will take you through the nuances of the Wisconsin State Supreme Court decision as well as the county-wide lockdown that lasted less than 24 hours. Was America conned into a lockdown by bad science? We'll talk about the faulty modeling, who knew the modeling was faulty, when they knew it, and why they continued on the same path, in spite of knowing the data could be flawed. Also, a number of conspiracy theories have circulated the internet about the coronavirus. But are these conspiracy theories a threat to the truth? They may be, but not for the reason you think. We'll speak later with a Wisconsin attorney taking the state government to federal court on behalf of businesses that were unfairly shut down. And musical guest mixed company in the second hour. So as Frank Sinatra once said, hang on to your handbags, ladies. Listening to Get Real with Ralph. Get Real with Ralph. One of the greatest ironies in this coronavirus scare 
is the fact that the contrarian opinion on how to handle this crisis from day one was for our population to acquire herd immunity. But the only thing we have been able to acquire is a herd mentality. Never in our lives have we seen people so quick to judge and admonish their neighbors publicly for their point of view or for their actions. And this public opinion has been largely shaped by our news media as well as our government and the vast differences between how data that fits the narrative is handled as opposed to how data that does not fit the narrative is handled. The level of fear-mongering during this pandemic is unprecedented and has caused people to turn on acquaintances, friends, even turning on loved ones. The economy is more important than lives. That's the standard answer that we are given anytime anyone challenges the wisdom of these lockdowns. But what about when the policies that are implemented cost more lives than they save? What about the countless lives lost due to the mishandling of our compromised, our elderly, and the lack of care available to people suffering from everything from alcoholism to cancer during this lockdown? The sad truth is that one flawed coronavirus model set in motion a series of actions that impacted government policies across the globe led to shutdowns that threatened to create a long-lasting global recession that will potentially cost more lives than it saved. It all became real to most Americans on March 11th of this year when the NBA announced that it was suspending the remainder of the 2020 season and the world's most famous actor, Forrest Gump himself, Tom Hanks was diagnosed with COVID-19 along with his wife. What an ironic caricature of Forrest Gump, the man who happened to be off to the side of the world stage for every major event during his life, from Vietnam to the moon landing to Watergate. What an iconic, ironic caricature for this actor to contract this scary and deadly disease right at the beginning. It was a perfect storm of frightening. Within days, states began banning large gatherings and closing schools. The world was scared. We were all scared. And in the absence of actual data, by the middle of March, the Imperial College of London projected that more than 500,000 people in Great Britain would die if no protective measures were put in place. For the United States, the prediction was 2.2 million people would die if our country didn't have what they considered a Wuhan-style lockdown. So in other words, if we responded like China, the prediction was that we would still lose 1.1 million lives in the United States. So by having this lockdown, it would save over a million lives. It made sense. Or didn't it? The President of the United States came on and asked us all to sacrifice for our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones, our parents and grandparents. If we did this, for the most part, the entire nation came together for a moment and we just stopped living our lives dead in our tracks. And all of this was done based on the model of the Imperial College as developed by Dr. Neil Ferguson. Google that, folks. Who is Neil Ferguson? Dubbed the master of disaster by doubting colleagues, Ferguson was incorrectly in the prediction business, predicting many diseases that never came to be at the level we predicted them. An article in the National Review on May 6th titled, Professor Lockdown Modeler Resigns in Disgrace, there were several false predictions that were reviewed, and I just wanted to quote them. Ferguson was behind the disputed research that sparked the mass culling of 11 million sheep and cattle during the 2001 outbreak of foot and mouth disease. 
Charlotte Reed, a farmer's neighbor, recalls, I remember that appalling time. Sheep were left starving in fields near us. Then came the open-air slaughter. The poor animals were panic-stricken. It was maybe one of the worst things I've witnessed, and all based on a model of ifs and maybes. In 2002, Ferguson predicted that up to 150,000 people would die from exposure to BSE, that's mad cow disease, in beef. In the UK, when the dust settled, there were 177 total deaths. He predicted 150,000. There were 177. In 2005, Ferguson predicted that 150 million people would be killed from bird flu. In the end, the worldwide number was 282 people between 2003 and 2009. In 2009, a government estimate based on Ferguson's advice said a reasonable worst-case scenario was that the swine flu, the swine flu would lead to 65,000 British deaths. In the end, the swine flu killed 457 total people in the UK. So Ferguson was ultimately discredited in this prediction as well. As a matter of fact, within days of his report being released, Oxford University epidemiologist Sandrita Gupta, whose own modeling suggested that the coronavirus had already been spreading in the UK far earlier than anyone suspected. And in most cases, it was either asymptomatic or so mild that it was confused with the common cold. Let's think about that for just a moment. On March 24th, Another report comes out. So we have two reports, one of them from a scientist who's been discredited over the years of predicting doom and gloom, and the other one a more common sense model. Now this report was already exposed and exposed the flaw in modeling that many, many times the number of people being reported infected actually were, and that most of the people were completely asymptomatic or had mild cold-like symptoms. In short, the leading scientists of the world already shared the belief that the denominator was wrong. Many other doctors, such as Scott Atlas, and we're going to talk about him a little later on, agreed with this principle. Ferguson himself even agreed with the conclusion because as soon as Gupta's research was released, he kind of walked back his doomsday predictions as well and started modifying those numbers. But the wheels were in motion and the lockdowns had already begun. And this is a great crisis that calls for even greater government. The powerful got a taste, like when a shark tastes blood, and they realized that they had us in panic. Finally, by the beginning of April, U.S. health officials rejected Dr. Ferguson's predictions and instead turned to the University of Washington's model, showing numbers very similar to Ferguson's. If no lockdowns were implemented, a million and a half to 2.2 million Americans would die. But if states kept their shelter-in-place orders going, only 250,000 would die. Well, the Imperial College model was fatally flawed, but this model was even more accurate. That's what everybody thought. President Trump came on and uh, told us he was going to extend the 15 days to flatten the curve to the end of April. And 15 days, just like that, became 45. So I'm wondering... Is this about the time that the American people started to get Stockholm Syndrome? As the National Review concludes, this absolute hack of a scientist ended up resigning his post in shame after being caught breaking quarantine to engage in an illicit affair with a married woman. 
So Dr. Lockdown didn't really believe in lockdowns all that much himself. In the meantime, the numbers are not only far less than projected, but data from Sweden, data from states within the United States, along with Gupta's modeling, and the opinion of dozens of other health professionals we have been speaking to, show that we've not been following a model that's best for the health of our country, let alone the economic health. There are those that would have you believe there's this hypothetical choice between lives and the economy. And the data points to a choice between costing more lives in the economy or saving both. Yet those who are in favor of saving both are continuing to be demonized. Dr. Scott Atlas, as I mentioned earlier, made such a convincing case in his op-ed on the Hill back on April 22nd that I'm going to quote from it directly. He leaves five points in his article. This is dated on the 22nd of April. So this is a couple of weeks ago already predicting this. The tragedy of the COVID-19 pandemic appears to be entering the containment phase. Tens of thousands of Americans have died, and Americans are now desperate for sensible policymakers who have the courage to ignore the panic and rely on facts. Leaders must examine accumulated data to see what actually has happened. Rather than keep emphasizing hypothetical projections, combined with empirical evidence and fundamental principles of biology established for decades, and then thoughtfully restore the country to function. Five key facts are being ignored by those calling for continuing this lockdown. Fact one, the overwhelming majority of people do not have significant risk of dying from COVID-19. The recent Stanford University antibody study now estimates that the fatality rate, if infected, is likely 0.1 to 0.2%, a risk far lower than the previous World Health Organization estimates. Wow, what a shock. The World Health Organization was wrong. They had estimates that were 20 to 30 times higher, and that motivated isolation policies. In New York City, an epicenter of the pandemic, with more than one-third of all U.S. deaths, the rate of death for people between 18 to 45 years old is 0.01%, or 10 per 100,000 in the population. On the other hand, people aged 75 and over have a death rate of 80 times that. For people under 18 years old, the rate of death is 0 per 100,000. Zero per 100,000. Of all fatal cases in New York State, two-thirds were patients over 70 years of age. More than 95% were over 50 years of age, and about 90% of all fatal cases had an underlying illness. Of the 6,570 confirmed COVID-19 deaths fully investigated for underlying conditions to date, 6520, or 99.2%, had an underlying illness. If you do not already have an underlying chronic condition, your chances of dying are small regardless of age. And young adults and children in normal health have almost no risk of any serious illness from COVID-19. Fact number two, protecting older at-risk people eliminates hospital overcrowding. And this is really important, guys. I'm going to read through this, but I'm going to comment on it. We can learn about hospital utilization from the data from New York City, the hotbed of the COVID-19 with more than 34,600 hospitalizations to date. For those of under 18 years of age, hospitalization from the virus is 0.01%, or 
or 11 per 100,000 people. Out of 100,000 people, 18 years of age or under, 11 needed to go into the hospital. For those 18 to 44 years old, the hospitalization is 0.1%. Even for those ages 65 to 74, only 1.7% were hospitalized. Of the 4103 confirmed COVID-19 patients with symptoms bad enough to seek medical care, Dr. Leora Horowitz of NYU Medical Center concluded age is far and away the strongest risk factor for hospitalization. Even early WHO reports noted that 80% of all cases were mild, and more recent studies show a more widespread rate of infection and lower rate of serious illness. Half of all people testing for infection have no symptoms at all. The vast majority of younger, otherwise healthy people do not need significant medical care if they catch this infection. You got that, guys? People that were already with critical terminal conditions and, and highly aged, those are the only people with any serious risk. And yet in New York City, they were taking people infected and putting them back in nursing homes. This policy of isolation was killing old people because they were shoving them right back in the same place where all the other aged people are. Fact three, vital population immunity is prevented by total isolation policies prolonging the problem. We now know from decades of medical science that infection itself allows people to generate an immune response, antibodies, so that the infection is controlled throughout the population by herd immunity. Indeed, that is the main purpose of widespread immunization to other viral diseases, to assist with population immunity. So, ladies and gentlemen, when we think about vaccines, such as the polio vaccine, the point wasn't to give you the polio vaccine as a child back then so you wouldn't get it. The point was to vaccinate an entire population so that people in the population couldn't contract it and then spread it by creating a larger immunity. The greatest pathway to resistance to this is exactly the same. It is herd immunity. When 999 out of 1,000 people that get this don't even have serious symptoms, but we're keeping them from getting it, we're prolonging the problem. We're not fixing it. Four, people are dying because other medical care is not getting done due to the hypothetical projections. Critical care for millions of Americans is being ignored, and people are dying to accommodate potential COVID-19 patients and for fear of spreading the diseases. Most states and many hospitals abruptly stopped non-essential procedures and surgery that prevented the diagnoses of life-threatening diseases like cancer screening, biopsies of tumors, now discovered and undiscovered, and potentially deadly brain aneurysms. Treatments including emergency care for the most serious illness were missed. Cancer patients deferred chemotherapy An estimated 80% of brain surgery cases were skipped. Acute stroke and heart attack patients missed their only chances for treatment, some dying, and many facing permanent disability for fear of entering into the healthcare system. Number five, we need to have a clearly defined population at risk who can be protected with targeted measures. And without reading that whole thing, I alluded to that uh, when you talked about number three. We should be protecting the vulnerable. I had a post earlier this week on Facebook when I was in a Walgreens. And I saw a lady working the checkout with a mask on. She had to be in her late 70s. 
And I'm thinking to myself, we, we have all of these businesses that were forced to close. We have people who are in their 20s and 30s, even their 40s, my age, perfectly able-bodied people forced to stay home. Some of them getting paychecks with the COVID bonus even more than they were making while they were working. And this lady who's at risk is forced to go out and work. We got this wrong. We got this completely backwards. We haven't done a good job of identifying who's at risk, and there are people at risk, and putting them out of harm's way by keeping those of us not at risk out in the workforce doing two things. One, keeping our economic engine running, which is important whether people believe it or not, and two, generating the immune responses that we need so that we can no longer get infected and pass that infection on. Yet when you bring this up, you're evil. When you bring this up, you don't care about the very people I just talked about saving. Because it is not the official opinion of your government. It's not the official opinion of YouTube. It's not the official opinion of Facebook. It's not the official opinion of Amazon for sure. Do you think Jeff Bezos wants to end this lockdown? You've got a lot of billionaires getting richer as they rip our economy from us and paralyze us with fear. That's exactly what's going on. There's no way to look at it and see it differently. You look at Wisconsin. Our Supreme Court rules in favor of the legislature shutting this, this, this lockdown, and they didn't even give the six-day stay that the, that the Republicans asked for to put something new in place. They just ended it flat out. We're done. This lockdown is over with. And, of course, all the local municipalities rushed to put their own lockdowns in place right away because we can't have people making their own decisions. People aren't smart enough to make their own decisions. That's what your government thinks about you. You are too stupid to make your own decisions. That's what your government thinks. And if you agree with your government, well, then there's no help for you. If you also agree that you're too stupid to make your own decisions along with the government, that's a shame. Because I have faith in people. I have faith in my neighbors. I have faith in my family members. I have faith in my friends, other members of this community. When we didn't have a lot of data and we were all worried, the overwhelming majority of people in our communities did the right thing, not because the government told them to, but they gave their consent just by complying with this because they knew that there was a risk and they were willing to sacrifice if sacrificing meant they're going to reduce the risk. But when the data changed, and data does change when you're dealing with science, when you're dealing with, with medical emergencies, when you're dealing with a novel, hence the name novel, never seen before virus, you have to assume the data is going to change. What you can't have is arrogance to stay the same course that you set in motion with less data than you have with more data. So Kenosha County was one of the first companies, or one of the first counties, to jump in and put its own lockdown order in place. Uh, they used uh, our, our public health official doctor, and I say that in quotes, Jennifer Freyheit, because a review of Dr. Freyheit's resume shows that we're having health decisions made by a woman who's not a medical doctor at all. She has a PhD in urban education. Since when do we take the opinion of somebody with a PhD in urban education about health decisions over the opinion of, I don't know, actual doctors? But that's what we had going. 
right here in Kenosha County. Thank God the Corporation Council reviewed it and realized that this order was just as unconstitutional, just as unconstitutional as the state order was, and they decided not to risk it, and they threw it out. So Kenosha County is completely open. But if you were to walk through the streets of Kenosha County, through the downtown area, what you would have seen this weekend is that we have a community suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Restaurants are afraid to open because they don't want to be chastised by their neighbors. It's not that they don't need the money. It isn't that they don't, it's not that they believe that they're going to cause death by opening their business. It's they're afraid of criticism and picketing and all the nasty things that have been happening on social media just for disagreeing with the moron who was running off sleeping with his girlfriend when he was telling you to be locked down. Think about that. Which side of history do you want to be on? Because when this is all over with, what we're going to find out is that this was a disease that killed a lot of people that were at risk, and it didn't have to. It could have killed less people. We could have protected them. If we have taken our trillions of dollars in our economy and would have just focused some of it at the people at risk, instead of throwing the money up in the air and hoping somebody catches it, if we would have safeguarded the vulnerable instead of locking down all of society, we might have actually been able to target our efforts and make a difference. You are listening to Get Real with Ralph. Get Real with Ralph. On AM 1050 WLIP.